There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your setting. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Welcome to Falling Pieces. I'm Sean Fangirlass. A podcast dedicated to the NBC series Debris. I'm Steve. Exclusively on the Fangirl Zone. I'm Terry. <sighs> we got so many good things happened in this one. And by good, I don't mean like happy, but I mean interesting. Yes. I'm like, let me rephrase that because no, it wasn't good. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> it was like, oh my gosh, this, this one had me riveted. Yeah. I mean, not the same way as, you know, the last two episodes, because that was like definitely awesome sci-fi. This is, oh, where are they going? What are they leading to? Oh, my God. <laughs> well, this was a lot more of Brian's backstory. That's why I really enjoyed this. Oh, it's Brian's song. Yeah. yeah it's Brian's song. <laughs> Without the crying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, we have ratings. Yes, we do. Episode 10 brought in 2.52 million viewers with a 0.37 rating in adults 18 to 49. Steady as she goes. I just want them to announce the second season. Unless they're giving us 25 episodes, and then I can be patient. <laughs> but has anything given us 25 episodes, like in no. forever? No. <laughs> I swear, none Soap of the things operas. we watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those give us 52 episodes, Steve. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> I'll turn on my telenovelas later, but this is, you know, something I need right now. <laughs> okay. Well, we wouldn't want to miss out on Sean's needs. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if I'm ha happy, I bake. So, yeah, everybody is happy then after I'm happy. If you're happy and you know it, bake a cake. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why I have expanded during pandemic. <laughs> Happy, depressed, sad, I bake. You know, it's just all of it, really. <laughs> anyway, enough about me. Let's talk about Brian, shall we? All right. We are recapping Season 1, Episode 11, Asala. And our first group of pieces begins with Previously On. Yeah. And we hear Ferris telling Finola, don't underestimate Brian. He must be valuable. And that goes all the way back to episode one. Mm -hmm. And it's a hint of what's to come in this episode. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought that was weird. bigger than even she knew. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I thought it was weird. I'm like, have I never paid attention to them doing a previously on? Well, and you probably have, but they haven't done this. 
Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. it just seems so much more like on point. Right. Yeah, because they started with the the last two episodes, and but then all of a yeah. sudden you hear that, and then we get yeah. Maddox getting Brian out of an MP prison in Afghanistan, and you kind of go, "Whoa, hold on a minute." Yeah, well, we had learned a little bit in one of the jumps in right. one of the was it I do you know Icarus? Right. Yeah. So I think or I whichever whichever the two parter, but. At least we get to know what the situation was. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, finally. Yeah. So we go to the woods where an audible team is using their little handheld meters, which are reading a very high reading, almost 800. Yikes. And they discuss getting closer to it. And one guy says, well, we don't want this falling into a civilian's hands. So he dons a Vector 2 suit and heads on out. He finds a woman just sitting there, and his readings go from 942 to over 1049. Yeah. Hold on a minute. (laughs) Yeah. And she's surrounded by a shimmer. Mm. I thought it was like one of the little it was like a mini TV shimmer kind of like yeah. you've seen before. <laughs> yeah. It was it looked like that. So I'm like did she walk out of that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and when he gets up to her, all she can say is Brian Benavente. Even though the guy asked what she's doing there and who are you and all this good stuff, she just keeps repeating Brian Benavente. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's not weird or anything. No, <laughs> not at all. No. And happens every Friday. Cut to Brian and Finola. <laughs> Apparently, Brian had hit a pothole, which caused <laughs> Finola to spill her mint chip macchiato all over. <laughs> okay, I thought this was funny because it just like. This is normal, everyday kind of thing. Yeah. But she was saying, why were you holding it? So was it hers or his or both? <laughs> like, I think and, it was hers. Was yeah. Oh, okay. Because I'm thinking, yeah. Brian doesn't remind me of a mint chip macchiato kind nah, of guy. That no. wouldn't be a Brian drink, no. Although yeah. he was drinking a big Slurpee. So, I mean, why not? Well, Slurpees he wanted are something cool. a little different. <laughs> right. And they actually, you know, he actually asks her if she wants another one. And if she does, then get him one, but not the same kind. It was another another one. (laughs) But I love, I love the whole back and forth because I swear I've had this argument. How did you not see the pothole? It's a pothole. I didn't see it. It's like (laughs) they're just arguing back and forth. But it was just normal, and I liked it. But I'm still like thinking back to the the other episodes. It's like, wait, is this a Brian that like has realized he's in love with Field or? Panola, and it's like, but he's not saying it. What's going on? I don't know. Right. But I don't think this is that Brian or that type of Brian. So I'm really like, well, at least they're having kind of fun, even though she's now wearing coffee. <laughs> There's like a husband and wife arguing on a road trip. Right. I can't. <laughs> I got my drink here. I can't believe you hit the pothole. Well, you can't see potholes <laughs> in the last second. Come on now. You know, it's like, holy crap. <laughs> well, she'll smell yummy. We'll just leave it at yeah, that. Yeah, she'll smell like mint chip macchiato. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, 
wasn't he in the, the Karate Kid? Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so Finola calls her dad, who is for some unknown reason in a convenience store, mm. paying for gas and asking if they have aluminum foil. Yeah. See, he said it weird again. Yes. Alumi- aluminum. Yeah. Or something. He yeah. has a different, different syllable emphasized, yeah. And, of course, the clerk says, no, we don't, and that's your phone that's going off. Yeah. <laughs> okay, how many people do that, though? I mean, seriously, right. I've totally done it, and I am always on my phone. It's like, wait, what? Oh, yeah, that's me. So, of course, Finola wants to know what's going on and why he's got Garcia's phone. Well, Garcia gave him the phone and lent him his van as he is heading to Virginia to the antenna fields. That's a mighty long drive is all I'm yes, thinking. Yes, yeah. by yourself is by yourself. fragile a condition as he's in. And yeah, yeah, Finola was not happy with it. And he basically tells her, I'll be fine. No, you won't. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's going to be another episode where they got to go after him. Right. <laughs> so... Unless Garcia has AAA on the van. Right. <laughs> and then we see Maddox getting a case from the warehouse unannounced. Mm. And then Brian, you know, and that's suspicious as all hell. He basically well, yeah. just says, no. you know, it's it came up all of a sudden and we need it to test this other piece with. And it's like, all right, Maddox, what you up to? No good. Yes. <laughs> and we go back to our couple where Brian phone rings and this time it's Orbital Team Matter med member Tom. That's easy for you to say. Yeah. <laughs> who tells Brian they need to come to Maryland where a woman has been found who is asking him asking for him by name. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know, but he's like, uh-oh. Yeah. Like, do I, do I owe child support <laughs> somewhere? <laughs> yeah. And so we get to Maryland and see them pull up, and Brian does not recognize the woman's name. Nope. But the video we see seems to show the shimmer following her. Okay, let's stop here. <laughs> Probably the same thing crossing your minds. Where the hell did the camera come from? Yeah. <laughs> a I don't know. That, I thought it said like a wildlife trail or something. I don't know. The U.S. Uh, National Forest Service or Park Service has cameras mounted on trees. I imagine they have some like near headquarters or some kind of bases or whatever. But just out in the, she's like walking in this open field. Right, and, but it is and, Maryland, so it's close to D.C. I mean, I don't care how far in Maryland, <laughs> anywhere in Maryland is still close to D.C., so. Hmm. I don't Maybe. know. I just, I remember, you know, when I first watched it, I was like, oh, look at that thing following her. And then I was like, two beats later, I was like, where the hell's the camera? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, of course. Yeah, I was like trying to figure out more, it's like, Okay, she's out there. It's following her. Apparently, she can't see it or sense right, this yes. thing. He doesn't even realize it exists like right now. Because I feel like 
everybody else who's come in contact like has felt it somehow and she's just oblivious like do 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 just walk in um, yeah i'm just out for a walk i'm not wearing hiking shoes or sneakers i'm just walking right? i don't know it's like, that's what i was kind of weird it was like if she's not aware which didn't seem like she was unless you'd have and they gave you no inclination this is true the thing is behind her leading her where to go which would make sense it's around her or in front of her to do that but yeah oh, you know, almost like like she was behind her. yeah like okay, you know yeah. a, a, like an armed person who has you at gunpoint is behind you telling you walk forward turn left right that kind oh. of thing, you know so unless it was you know kind of telling her where to go from behind but we saw her you know before this video sitting on the ground enveloped by this shimmer right so maybe it was catching up to her and it finally got her i don't know it yeah. seemed like could be really seemed like yeah it really seemed like she didn't know it was behind her at all right so yeah so of course our gang suits up and goes out to see her because she's still sitting there in the exact same position they originally found her in and they got I, there awful fast yeah my knees would, <laughs> or my legs would have been falling asleep at that point yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Brian introduces himself to Muriel and asks how she knows him. And all she does is mention a highway in Afghanistan and other things Brian knows about from there. Uh-oh. Yeah. Mm. And you kind of think back and you go, well, they did make a clone of him. Mm. So, possibility yeah. there? <laughs> Yeah. And of course, then we hear her say, I'm going to miss you when you're gone. And of course, Finola's like, what is she talking about? I was yeah. freaking out thinking they're going to kill him right there. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, my God, they're going to kill him off. It's like, hey, it's five minutes in. Guess what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of the is gone. <laughs> and he lets Finola know that that was the last thing his mother said to him before he was deployed. Mm. So this definitely starts feeling like whatever this piece is doing has definitely gotten a hold of that clone's memories or something. Mm -hmm. so see, Langley, Langley. See, if I was Brian, I'd be worried about she'd reveal one at that time I took a dump behind somebody's house. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so at Langley... They've got her in a nice little confined cube, and Brian goes in to talk to her again, and she grabs his arm. Yo. And all of a sudden, we see Brian in Afghanistan. Mm. With a bad beard. Yes. <laughs> yeah, thumbs down on the makeup department, by the way. And we come mm. back to the present, and Brian collapses and is taken away from help for help. Yeah, it didn't look good. No, he did not. Mm -mm. And we briefly see Brian's team in Afghanistan finally getting assigned an operation, but Brian thinks it's too late to make a difference. Yeah, maybe. And it, I thought it was really interesting the way this whole thing starts is you kind of feel like when brian started in the service he was hopeful that they could make a difference and at this point in his military career he's not feeling that anymore 
No, because even when he's telling a little bit later in the episode, of, I guess it was another member of his team, they were sitting there, at least the other team member was having something to eat, and he had this smile on his face describing about when he first got in. Right. You know, and you could see, like you said, that he, re- you know, because your face will give you away sometimes. It's like, yeah, there's a there's a, a gimme that, yeah, he really was hopeful until he got over there. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like, eh. so they finally get the mission, and he's like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> a little you too know. late to do some real good here. It's like you're going to open the theater doors when the five minutes is left in the film. Thanks a lot. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, he does say, you know, at one point, like, we'll see after you've done a couple tours to somebody. So right. we don't know how long right. he's been in at that point either. Yeah. At least a couple tours, obviously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. All right. So, um, Brian, as we said, was not in good shape after she grabbed his arm. And now he's being tended to. And the doctor says he's having an event that's caused by nerve damage. Um, I'm like, yeah, I guess so. That that would make you look really messed up. And uh, so Finola calls the uh, orbital team leader, Tom, who's out in the field still, and says he's got to find the debris uh, so that hopefully they can break the connection between Muriel and Brian. And Tom currently has no good news for there's no signatures of debris that they found. So that's not good. So back in uh, the cubicle, Muriel mentioned some coordinates. Finola looks them up and, and she has mentioned Sarobi. And uh, the coordinates are for Sarobi in Afghanistan. So again, Sarobi comes up. Hmm. I think Brian might have been there. Yeah. Get the you get the feeling. Yeah. Uh, so we have another flashback to Afghanistan, and all these flashbacks, by the way, are things that Brian is experiencing while he's out of it. Right. Which was so weird. Yeah, but we get a lot of uh, really. Even though they're just segments here, we get tons of Brian's backstory. So Brian's team is not really thrilled with their mission. And then Brian notices, he first notices a boy, and I thought there was going to be something to that. Right. And it wasn't. Yeah, that was kind of a, like, what is this? Let that right? (laughs) Yeah, and she mentions, like, a a brother. In a minute, she mentions a grandmother, father, and a brother, and I'm like, is that, is that it? No, they were separated. So blah. So he finally notices this woman who's been brought to the camp for medical attention, something with her hand. And uh, his team comes across that same woman later. And uh, her, he asks her name and she says it's Asala and tells Brian that her parents, her brother and she were all separated, but she's still with her grandfather and she doesn't want him to get hurt. She keeps reiterating he's a good man. That right there kind of had me wonder. Yeah. Are they trying to say that he's being forced to help and, you know, Brian's going to have to make a decision or something? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's you can say, well, look at you thinking about the foreigners. And it's like, well, in that kind of situation, you know, your your antenna's got to be up at all times. Right. You know, so. And we see uh, that when he sends one of his men out to check out that kid yeah exactly so yeah so she doesn't want to yeah go ahead i'm sorry (laughs) yeah he even mentions that you know he's seen it before where yeah you've got a kid that's strapped up with dynamite Mm -hmm. yep 
So she doesn't want her grandfather to get hurt. Brian tries to reassure her they're not there to hurt anyone. Uh, so then we go back to uh, Langley, and Maddox is checking in on Brian. He's still not stable. Um, Finola says Muriel seems to be saying things related to Afghanistan. Um, then at that point, Muriel says, Mission Desert Falcon. And you can see on Maddox's face, mm, there's something to that. And Maddox actually says he recognized what she's saying. Right. Even telling Finola it's the name of a real mission. And a real important place. mission. Yeah, which I was surprised that he would have said that to her. Right. Yeah, yeah but he says it was important to Brian. To Brian, yeah. It's like, oh, no, it wasn't important to me. It's like, all right, Maddox could act and like, oh, no, nothing's important to me. Yeah, me? Except the fact that you got served with divorce papers last week. Yeah, sucker! So, um... I still felt a little bad for him last week. But I did, now, But this week, I'm like, oh, no, I don't like him again. So, it's fine. <laughs> then again, was it a moment of weakness? I mean, he didn't, like, tip his hand big time, but was it a moment of weakness? And he said, yeah, it's real, and I recognize it. You know, even to say I recognize it is a big thing for him to admit. Right. You know, That's so, true. yeah, it could be a moment of weakness because of the papers. So, um, and then again, he might be tired. He probably blew up the uh, Capitol or the Federal Grill uh, just out of uh, <laughs> anger. So we have another flashback again. And it turns out the mission is to identify any Taliban in the area and to capture a real bad guy, Sheik. And Brian tells his commander when they're alone that his team will succeed. That's what you tell your boss. Uh, so yeah, Asala was interesting that both that he knew the commander. They were friends and they both moved up in the ranks since they were friends. So that was yeah. interesting to uh, see that as well. They probably mentioned that to each other before, but I think the fact that Brian's team is actually getting, you know, an opera, a mission to do, I think that, you know, they thought that, would, which it would be, that was appropriate to kind of say that again. Boy, a long way we've come, you know. <clears throat> we've also come a long way with makeup. We could have done better on the beard. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, Asala visits the camp again and talks with Brian. And uh, they sit down and she tells him that she learned English from her grandfather. And she wanted to uh, play, you know, come to America and play piano in America. Um, and uh, he has a little mp3 thing or whatever and he lets her listen with uh, earbuds to some elton john music asks her if she's ever heard of him she says no and she's listening to it and uh, she really likes it she's really enjoying this and uh tells him the rest of her story she wants to play piano and all and you can almost see in brian's face this is the, you know the good side of brian that i think even now is still there right you know like I can't do everything and I'm not connected to music or theater or performing arts or anything, but I'd like to be able to help you out because you seem like you're okay, you know, kind of a deal. So uh, she wants to help the Americans in order to protect her grandfather's safety. And in the course of the conversation, you know, he's like, well, you don't have to, and it's not necessary. And that's what we're here for. So she makes Brian promise near the end of the conversation that her grandfather will be safe. Uh, and he does. It was hard for him, though. Yes. Well, consider the situation. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know. But it's like, do you 
do you do this? Do you promise? Because that's really hard to keep yeah. that promise. Exactly. Exactly. So later, another soldier, and here was one of those things where they had a brief, like, one-second shot, and it meant something, and you didn't know what, because he had taken his camera out and set it on the table between them when they were talking, and it turns out later, this other shoulder get, soldier gives Brian his camera back. Right. And he's like, oh, um, uh, oh uh, you know, where'd you get this? And he says, uh, the woman, he doesn't know her name, Asala, said she found it on the ground. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it turns out, as he goes through the picture scroll, that it's got pictures of the Sheik Amalik, the guy they're looking for. Very valuable pictures. Yes. No doubt. Yeah. Um, so uh, now we go back to Langley. And talking with Maddox, Finola refers to the debris cloning case, the one we had a few weeks back. Um and she said maybe it accessed Brian's memories. Gee, you think? Yeah. <laughs> and Fanola guesses the debris pieces are all communicating with each other. Even says that that's a theory of Lug Dr. Ligari. Uh, and then Maddox asks out loud, which I, I actually had the same question. You know, like, okay, why this mission? You know, and why Brian and why this mission? It's a good question. I, I have a theory from that. Go for it. Because of everything we've seen in the last two episodes and how things change, it was a lot of it going back to this mission, like how things played out. Plus, did Maddox look after him? Did Maddox pull him out? Did he survive? You know, with all of the things that happened stemming from this mission, I think is where all of the different, like, different Bryans that we've seen came out of from the, la from the last couple episodes. That would that would actually kind of coincide with what, you know, I'd been mentioning early on in the series about I hope they don't make it. It, it keeps latching on to emotion, this emotion, that emotion. Uh, and obviously, in a situation like that, there were tons of emotions. Yeah, especially especially when we find out the BS reason why Brian later why Brian ended up in the uh, uh, the MP uh, prison. Right. You know, total BS there. Oh, we didn't tell you. Uh, well, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna stick it to you. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thanks, thanks, guys. And um, yeah, that would kind of go into with that. Yeah, and I think really that it's the only reason Maddox said why this mission is because he was involved in it. Yeah. Well, if the pieces are communicating and Maddox keeps jacking around, messing with some of them, and possibly selling some of them uh maybe that's why maybe it's talking to each other and they're trying to tell brian and finola something right exactly that and we do you're a pos that's and i don't mean point of sale that's what i'm saying and we do have a moment one line that brian has uh that's in our next section in uh, revisiting afghanistan that maddox's response to brian i don't want to give it away just yet is kind of like when Finola came out of the car last week in that part two, and it's like, call your dad, he died. Oh, my God, I just spoke to him yesterday, where all the realities were kind of collapsing in. Right. We, we had a, one line later that kind of like, ooh, yeah, <laughs> this is interesting. But I think your point, uh, Sean, is right about, because Maddox was involved, too. Hmm. 
So um, the orbital team leader, Tom calls Finola, says they found the debris. It wasn't really a big piece. Nope. Looked no, like it was small. Looked like an oversized Tootsie Roll. And um, a <laughs> little bigger than that. A little bit. Well, I mean, you know, like one you buy for Christmas. <laughs> like those big Hershey bars that weigh like five pounds. You know, it's like, get the heck out. You need like Hershey's. Hershey's. <laughs> You know, like you need a meat cleaver to cut it. You know, maybe they have big Tootsie Rolls. But he says it was barely registering. So it was like basically dead. It had no juice. Yeah. Which, which we've seen that before. Right. And mm -hmm. when they got Muriel into Langley, mm -hmm. she wasn't reading anything. Correct. So All of a Brian sudden went in but... to talk to her. and Yeah. So, yeah. Hey. Yeah. So get pieces together. That's what you did before a few episodes back. So the doctor who's tending to Brian comes out to uh, where Finola and Maddox are uh, talking and says, yeah, maybe they should try her suggestion. Maddox is like, you know, what you talking about? And <laughs> she goes, electroconvulsive therapy. Wow, we're going way back to torture times. I guess we can't. I guess we just can't say shock therapy anymore. Yeah. We have to. Really? Electroconvulsive. Yeah. So to reset Brian's brain. How about that? Let's do like a Microsoft blue screen. Yeah. <laughs> Control alt delete. Yeah. Control alt delete. And hopefully disrupt the connection between Brian and Muriel. Maddox actually agrees to it. I cannot see Maddox agreeing to that, especially for two reasons. One, because that's his guy that it's being done to. Right. And two, that Finola suggested it. Well, we know he's kind of heartless, at least what we've seen. So we honestly, I don't know what this version of Maddox is because we may not have seen this version. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. So well, when we he said, know, okay. but it, to me, the re only reason he agreed is he was probably afraid of something that Brian knew about him might get out. Yeah, Muriel. Oh, uh, you know so. what? Yep. That makes sense, especially after Finola had said he, she thinks all the pieces are communicating mm -hmm. and he's part of it. Mm -hmm. Like Maddox did look a little like, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he later he later tells and I don't want to give this away to it. Just a small thing. But he later tells Brian why that it was done um, more like when it was done. But. Yeah, it was surprising to me that he agreed to it. I, you know, initially I kind of took it as, well, I guess we really don't have any other options at our fingertips right now. Uh, but like I said, for, for those two reasons, it's his guy and Finola suggested it. I was like, I don't know about that. So, um, so Maddox, she leaves and Maddox asked the doctor, when was Brian's last injection? I wanted to say like three episodes ago, fool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And the doctor asked him if that's what he thinks drew this to Brian. Interesting query. Yes. Very. Hmm. Yes. Uh, tell us more. Yes. Yes. <laughs> keep talking. And uh, he's been monitoring Brian. Hasn't had anything come up out of the ordinary. So Maddox comes up with um, that maybe the injections are becoming less effective. Like you can build up immunity to certain drugs. Right. You know, so he tells the doctor to up Brian's dose if he makes it through. Gee, thanks. Yeah. No, just up it. It's fine. We're You're not... a pal. Yeah. I want to say, too, because I didn't mention it, when Brian first 
ends up going down when he has all this problem. Mm-hmm. Um, like Finola is like, Brian, look at me. Can you hear me? And I'm like, oh, are they trying to show Finola having some feelings here? Yeah, I kind of got that. I am not a shipper. And I think me neither. with every show that I watch and everything that I've podcasted with you guys, like, you'll know, I'm never like, oh, my God, they're so perfect together. No, no, because <laughs> I am not one of those people. But I'm with this one, I'm just like, huh, I wonder if they're trying to flip it from what we've seen the last episodes. Now they're going to be like, oh, no, it's Finola. And, well, and I know there's a ton of shippers out there because they pretty much all responded to my my uh, tweet about, well, now you all have something to hold on to. And they're like, oh, my God, there's so many shippers. Yay, I love it. <laughs> I just think it's funny. But I'm, yeah. I'm a dry docker. Just watch the damn episode. Uh- <laughs> Yeah, but I thought maybe that's this reality. Like I said earlier, it seemed like Brian and Fanola were kind of arguing like a husband and wife on a road trip. And now I kind of got for a split second, same thing you did watching her, like leaning over him, trying to revive him. You know, know, I'm totally cool with like a really close friendship and like that easy. You can talk about like anything and just give each other crap, you know, just don't want every show to end up with oh they're involved romantically blah 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 is is tonsil tickling really a requirement anymore yeah. <laughs> i mean what the hell i sound like like so uh sound older than i me. know but still but you sound older than me what the hell <laughs> i don't like her when they have them all romantic just do your damn job they're gonna go to the soda shop and share a I don't know. A float. A malted. There you go. Float. What either one. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, let's flash back again, shall we? Zoom. (laughs) Brian talking to Asala about how she's very brave taking the pictures, but it's too dangerous for her. And this, oh, just that that moment, I'm like, okay, I understand what you're saying, Brian, but don't mansplain everything to her because she turns around and said, uh, we both want my country to be free, right? And I'm the one who's got to live here. Yeah. So let me do what I got to do. And I'm like, all right, I like her. Yeah, but he was protecting her. He was, you know, basically saying that's what we're here. Because he says earlier, that's why we're here. Right. Uh, and But he's also saying it because I think he has, I think he was beginning to develop the early stages of affection for her. Um, you know, if if it's certainly not love, but I think he was in the beginnings of uh, I'm in like with you uh, towards her. So, yeah, I, you know, I kind of thought, you know, the it might be nah, he's mansplaining, which I didn't feel that he was. He didn't go that far. Uh, he was just saying, look, it's too dangerous. Even gives her a compliment, says you're brave. But I I thought it was just he was trying to protect her because he really, really, really not that you're just the weak little woman that the brave man has to come save. He, I think he really had feelings for her, or was starting to. So well, that was I my take. It was she was bringing back his hope because her hope was so strong, and I think oh, that was point. really what Ooh. had him wanting to protect her and that hope. That's so a good point. Grow much stronger in him again. That's a really good point because she asked him about that. Yep. You know what that—that that was her hope. And what you know, what what hope do you cling to, or what is the thing that gives you hope? And he doesn't answer it. Right. 
He goes, yeah. Really? I forgot he didn't answer anything. Yeah, yeah. no, he went on. He, he skirted the question. Yep. Yeah, he couldn't say, yeah. you are my hope. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I thought for sure that, you know, at very least he'd give her a look. Right. Uh, he but he really. Straight faced as he could. Yeah, uh, he shut it down inside real fast. Yeah, yeah he never it answered. It was the beard. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that beard. <laughs> Causing him to not have emotion. Something oh, yeah. sucked out. Anyway. All the glue that was ruining. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there was a look. You just couldn't see it because he couldn't really move his face. That's right. True. Although he did seem very twitchy, like he was always chewing gum or something. Because I don't know. I don't know why I noticed it. But like I kept seeing him like poke his tongue. Like right. Yeah, I, I kind of thought it might have been a dip or something because we did see the his group. One guy... At the beginning, one guy grabs a water after asking about it and spits his dip into it, and then oh, another guy takes a drink. So gross. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I yeah, I mean, he was twitchy like that. I was waiting. Well, first off, if you're in heat wearing all that gear, you're going to be twitchy. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to have stuff down there to scratch that, you know, that, you know, prevents you from being itchy. I don't care who you are. I was waiting for Brian to have like a big wad of chewing tobacco. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing with the water was funny that was it was gross i can't believe you did that and i'm gonna uh, do your mom when i get home yeah that's typical guy fashion yeah. right there oh yeah wow. <laughs> um he does tell Osalo that he wants to have his team protect her family it's like oh okay that's he had feelings of some sort yeah i just i don't know because they weren't developing anything here with the backstory because they kind of rushed through that part it just seemed like i met you yesterday i now love you it's like yeah no not love i think he but he was starting to develop because i mean he he, the actor's really jonathan's really good i mean just with his face he was expressing basically I'm starting to have feelings for her. And you could, at least I could, that's what I picked up watching his face uh, was that, you know, and even when he would smile at her, uh, when she was, when they were in that tent and she was telling him about playing piano, you know, uh, he could have just said, well, that would be a, a noble thing. No, he gets out his MP3 player and lets her listen to some music on it. And he's got a big smile on his face when he does it. And it's like, you didn't have to do that. Right. Yeah, that's true. You know, and it's like, it seems like he could have just kept the conversation very plain. You know, like, well, maybe someday that would work out. You could get to the States. That would be a nice thing if this whole thing gets done, that you might have the opportunity. He could have left it at that, and that would have been encouraging, and that would have been, but he, you know, does that little extra step. So I think there was something that was starting to develop, and he kind of confirms that at the end of Sean's section here at the very end of the, uh, near the end of the episode, talking to Finola about her picture. So, uh, I don't know. I get weirded with sappy. It's like, let's not get sappy. I didn't think it was that sappy. Let's get with some electroconvulsive therapy, shall we? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so that starts happening in the now. And then we start getting weird back and forth flashes, which I thought was kind of interesting. And it's because the first one is Maddox and, you know, he recognizes Maddox and Maddox is like, how do you know my name? Right. That that was the one that 
That's the one that I thought the realities were caving in, similar to Finola talking to Niels last week. Right? Yeah. About the dad. It was like, how do you know my name? Well, why, you know, yeah, that would actually be a good question because Maddox in that vision seemed like he was just kind of like sitting on the sidelines there, like, don't notice me. I didn't even think Maddox was really there. And that was the other thing I thought. Yeah, there was another piece of me that thought he's not really there. But if he was, <clears throat> that would be the... And Well, even if he wasn't, that was Brian's memories kind of throwing all kinds of stuff together. Because mm-hmm. you can presume that the first time he saw Maddox, uh, you know, even though Maddox tells him he's been, you know, watching what he's been doing... Um, would be at the uh, MP can- uh, prison. Right. but That's why it was weird. I was thinking it was like bleeding through, like you said, but exactly. like he was kind of coming out of it and he's seen Maddox sitting in like where they're doing the procedure, the shock therapy, like that he was sitting there and that's let's what he's seen. See, but see, Maddox at Langley was standing in or outside the room where Brian was. Right. Yeah, that's why and I'm like, this Manolo is really inside to. Yeah, so it's either he stayed outside. So it's either a vision that was superimposed in that scene he was reliving, or Maddox was there, and now Brian knows his name, but Maddox is like, "How do you know my name?" Right. You know. But then, like the next second, we have Maddox just standing there talking to him, like, "Yeah, I've been watching you, and I'm impressed with you." And it's like, "What? Wait, which actually happened just now?" All right, now let me ask you guys this, because it was very brief. And it was like a bust shot from the shoulders up. When Maddox has his conversation with Brian, I think his commander left, I think. And he's talking with Brian and they're shooting Maddox from behind Brian's shoulder. So you don't see Maddox like even whole upper torso or full body. Did it look like in that moment he was not wearing a military shirt? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I I thought he was supposed to be like civilian contractor or something. Later on, no. For the CIA. Yeah. (laughs) Only time he is in the CIA and he's the one that's running this operation with the other insurgents that we hear about that gets. Yeah. Brian takes out. Brian takes oh, out and yeah. gets thrown in the pokey for. Oh, I see, so I didn't because, like Maddox from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, Maddox, is because he did say that he had been watching and had been very impressed with his work, I think that, and I kind of have a feeling Maddox probably knew about Asala as well, even though we don't hear it in this conversation. Right. That he would, he knew where Brian was coming from when they did take that group out. And that's why he went ahead and got him out because he knew it was, you know, it wasn't all just kill, kill, kill. But yeah, he was taking, getting revenge for Asala. See, I don't, I, I could see how that could work, but in a way I can't because I think that Maddox, even back then, was a real SOB. Yeah. Because when he was torturing Ash, he was saying he has he's had a long history of being able to get information, obviously through torture. So, yeah, that could play. That could play. But again, it was like, yeah, was he there? And he was sitting on the side, so Brian just wouldn't know his name. And he could still be following Brian's career. Sure. 
watching from, you know, if not physically at that moment, but watching technically from afar and really liking what Brian's been doing, which is like, according to Brian, is basically nothing. Right. Um, so Brian would never even address him, even if he looked at him. Right. Other than, yeah, may- he- other than maybe hi, that'd been about it. Uh, and he certainly, if he's there for the CIA, more than likely wouldn't know his name unless he had a conversation with him. Right. Because so Maddox is... bleed through that. Right. It's, it's, yeah. Him calling him by his name was... Is the bleed through. Bleed through. Oh, okay. Yes. And that, to me, is like we're still in this... The reset from last week isn't the final reset yet. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Don't say that. I know. I mean, we'll be I all, all over the place. It's <laughs> 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 good. Uh, the next moment we get Brian telling Asala to tell her grandfather go get her grandfather i should say and tell them they have to leave and he says where to go and he'll check on her because yep. i don't want you to get caught up in anything in the village it's like i see that sweet and at the same time i'm thinking because i've watched a lot of these kind of shows i'm like oh, what if she inadvertently tips somebody off I'm like oh no <laughs> like what's gonna happen and uh, the next thing we know, it's like we have them in the village and, well, Brian's team gets caught up in gunfire. And suddenly, you know, he's like, cease fire, cease, cease fire. I know what's going to happen. And he stands up and everyone's freaking out. And I'm thinking, OK, there's no way this happened in the actual, I don't want to no. say battle. But. No, 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 not at all. He's already, he's in between again. Yeah, he's this is one foot in reality and one foot in this past. This is right here. Yeah, Yeah. right here. I was like, oh my gosh, what is it? And it's funny how everything got quiet. Yes. Yes. I was like, whoa, dude, the cone of silence. Yeah. I instantly thought, though, (laughs) that it was going to be Asala's grandfather. Right. Because he starts walking really slow. Because when he looked back, everybody's gone. And you just see. I think you've seen shoes at first. Right. So when he starts mm-hmm. walking over, I'm like, oh, God, it's going to be her grandfather. And he's the one who shot her, shot him or something. And I was like, this is not going to be good. But it's even worse. Yeah. Because it's Asala that had been killed. Mm. And I know this this whole moment is horrible, but I'm like, oh, please don't let it have been him. Right. That's yeah, all I kept I, thinking yeah, because I'm I, like. I went back and watched that whole scene again, and the way they showed it, they showed only men getting hit by bullets. Right. And then I thought, okay, well, maybe it was that flash bomb that they threw, but where they found the body, that was a good 30 feet, if not yards away Mm -hmm. from there. So it's Mm -hmm. like, who the hell shot her? Was it one of the Taliban? Oh, it might have been. That That's the only thing I could come up with, because every time they saw showed one of his men shooting or him, it you see the guy going down, and it's not some unclo- uh, you know cloaked figure that you can't see who it is. Because I was curious, I, too. I thought, yeah, that'd been even worse if Brian had shot her, but nope, they did not well, reveal that. <laughs> Well, I I would say they didn't reveal it, but you don't know for sure. True, I I was true. I was on the side of she just got caught in the crossfire. 
It wasn't. It could have been the Taliban targeting her. We find out why she was there, right? Uh, which Sean will get to. But uh, I felt that she was just caught in the crossfire. That that was that was my take on it. But it could have been just as equally true that the Taliban targeted her in the in that firefight, right? No, yeah, no. I mean, they don't exactly tell us, so it no. just had me wondering, Leave like, if this, this was something he held on to because ultimately it was because of him. But then at the same time, when we find out, and if I don't get to, I think he probably does feel ultimately it's because of him. Sure, because if they hadn't gone to that village in the first place, there never would have been a firefight. Right. Right. I mean, he still had the mission to complete, but... You can't sit there and tell your commander. I mean, he, he's a good soldier, but he, he's not going to sit there and tell his commander, what do you want me to do? No, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we do see him, and I don't know. I'm assuming this actually happened, and it wasn't some weird bleed through like he hoped it happened. He's carrying her body to where her grandfather is. Yeah. And that's when he starts seeing first the chair, and then he sees Muriel. And he's like back and forth looking and and the grandfather's really distraught and we don't know what's going on exactly. Like it's not being said yet because he's looking at Muriel and then the grandfather and Sala is gone and he's asking Muriel, why? Why did you make me go through this again? Mm -hmm. And you see her reach out her hand and he reaches out his hand and they're still shocking Brian and all the weird stuff that keeps happening to Muriel as he gets shocked. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then... Brian's back and he like flies off that table. Wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah right. He's like, don't do it again. Yeah. You're getting hit with a lot of voltage. You're going to jump too. <laughs> and he's like, I have to see Muriel. It's like, oh, thanks. You know, Finola's like, yeah, I've only been standing here and trying to figure out how to help you. But yeah, let's go see Muriel. Yeah. <laughs> Gives him a blanket. It's like, all right, I get it. The whole shock blanket. And he's like sweating because you've been. You know, shocking the poor man. I don't know. Maybe give him a towel and a shirt. Just a thought. But I was they thinking, go. Of, I was thinking a pea coat, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> they go, and Muriel is dead. Uh oh. Apparently, she died at the same time he came out of it. Wow. The so question, which I know gets asked later, what would have happened had they touched hands? Right. Fanola tells Brian that she knows about Asala now, and assures him that he's okay and it's all okay don't don't freak out it's like yeah don't freak out i heard everything through another person's voice that was yours and that wasn't weird or anything don't worry it's all good yeah uh, yeah you didn't you didn't divulge any bestiality episodes you're okay brian <laughs> don't worry it's about it didn't poop behind somebody's house. No, there poop behind go. somebody's. Yeah, you're okay, Brian. It's all right. You, I'll buy you a, a mocha chip macchiato there. <laughs> fix you up. And Brian does end up telling Fiona. I always want to call her Fiona. Fanola. About Asala's grandfather. Telling him that she had heard there was going to be an ambush. And she was worried that Brian would think that she betrayed him. And that's why she went back to the village to warn him. Wow. And that's why I'm thinking that, that, that <laughs> Steve may have been right, that it was the Taliban that took her out. Yep. And then, Terry, I think you said something about because of, like, a revenge kind of thing. Like, maybe they were like, why are you leaving? Why, you know, you suddenly came back. You betrayed us or something. So, well, if they didn't know the that she... 
if she didn't, if they didn't know that she overheard them, then I still think it, it could have been she got caught in a crossfire because she's saying that she told her grandfather she heard that they were going to ambush him. So they're discussing it. She hears it. Now, the question is that they also leave ambiguous is, did they know she heard it? Because if they knew it and she comes back to that village, then she's a, a dead duck right there. She's a right. dead woman. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but but they leave it open. That not only did they may have realized that she had overheard something, but she got mm-hmm. pictures. And you just don't do that without somebody seeing you do it. Yeah. I mean, it'd be really dang hard. Yeah. I, yeah. They The way that, you know, what, what he said, she told him that she was coming back to the village for, that broke my heart. But then again, the way the scene was shot where he sees her dead body, you know, it kind of just leaves it as, yeah, could have been target practice. It could have been crossfire. You know, and I think and I think as far as discussions, that that's genius. I mean, you could say, well, the writer should have told us, but um, I don't think No, they need you to take a leap and, you know, try to figure it out. Why Brian's so broken up. And I think if they said specifically it was the Taliban, I mean, there's already negative Taliban feeling here in America. Anyway, we don't need to have that play out. To, to I think they left it ambiguous so that the emotional impact would be what we felt. Mm-hmm. So for all you people that wanted the writers to say, as far as our discussion, crossfire or target, um, take a back seat. <laughs> I just, like I said, I hope it never comes out that it was Brian that somehow did it. Like uh, that would inadvertently, but, you know, still. Because I'm sure he's holding suck. on to enough guilt. It it gets worse because Brian goes on to tell Fanola that the next night his team found some Taliban and Brian took them out, took revenge Uh on them. But apparently it was a different group and they weren't supposed to be touched because they're running or working with the CIA or the CIA had some operation with them. Mm -hmm. And that's how we find out Brian became a quote unquote war criminal in the one reality we find out um, because he was in an MP prison and he was supposed to be charged. But this is where Maddox ended up stepping in. So So, Maddox, so many things came from like this moment. And Maddox was in the CIA. So you could see Maddox uh, saying, you know, we we had these people who were helping us. They were part of an operation and you took them out. Right. And then you could see Brian, you know, if he had some gumption, which I imagine even back then he did. It's like, well, we were never informed. Right. <laughs> you know, we're we're supposed to go finding Taliban. That's, you know, if we find the sheik, yeah, you were to- we were also told by our commander, find any Taliban in the area. Well, that's what we did. Yep. And look what happened. We found some. So guess what? This so is apparently- what happens when you keep secrets. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you don't communicate. So, but that's why I thought it was a BS reason. It's like you didn't tell anybody. He ends up taking them out. So now you're going to make him a war criminal. Wow. Jeez. It'd be like, you know, working at the malt shop. Oh, you put an extra pump of vanilla in the thing and you shouldn't have because they're low in vanilla and you were never told because you can't see through metal inside the container and they're going to fire you. Doesn't work. It's pretty messed up. Totally bogus, man. Totally. But I totally see that happening, too. Oh, sure. 
I'm sure. Um, we do get to see Finola hand back the picture of Asala that Brian carries. And this is what you were talking about earlier, Terry, that he tells her he carries it not to avoid mm-hmm. forgetting her, mm-hmm. but to remember what it's like to invest in something he can lose. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, bingo. Oh, bingo. That's kind of sweet. Okay. Yeah. And all the and shipper, it, all the shippers are like, no, it should be Finola, not her. <laughs> At this point, I noticed the scar on his chin seemed redder, and I don't know why. But then again, he was getting you know a whole bunch of voltage going through him. Yeah. yeah. But I'm like, that scar looks a lot darker than I remember. But then again, he was in a really big bushy beard the whole episode too so <laughs> maybe that's why um Vanola ends up saying that she thinks all the debris is connected and brian pops in with this little I doozy this. i love this he thinks the debris is experiencing us experiencing us the same way we are experiencing it oh what oh yeah i love that line like Listening to that, I was kind of blown away, mm-hmm. thinking, okay, what if it's transmitting everything back to whatever aliens? Right. Yeah. And it's like, huh, this is weird. And I'm really trying to wrap my head around that. And it's one line, but I but feel like that deep, had a huge it? impact. It's yes. deep, isn't it? Yeah, I loved it. Absolutely. I, I, I heard him say that. I was like, oh, baby. Woo-hoo. Yeah. And then things got kind of weird here after a minute. Ferris ends up sending Finola to the Gari files. Yay. Took you long enough. And Maddox tells Brian, hey, yeah, we decided to up your dose. We didn't just up it. We doubled it. Right. So up Brian your dose. I just thought that was weird. It's like, okay, if you're increasing dose, you don't necessarily double it. No. Which makes me think more this last episode or this last scene had something to do with it. And, and I've said it before, if you can go online to watch it, to listen to what happens in the credits, because there is some interesting stuff that's said this time. Mm. Oh, yeah. And... I think it has something to do with these injections because Brian's like, I don't think what happened was related with the injections. And Brian's like, oh, but I wish you hadn't pulled me out so fast because I mm-hmm. could have learned more. I'm thinking it wasn't fast, first of all. Right. But oh. <laughs> Maddox, yeah. you know, at least had the sense to say you could have died, <laughs> you know, because Maddox doesn't seem like the yeah, yeah, you know what? I'm really concerned about you kind of guy. He seems like, eh, if he dies, he dies. But he's, he actually says it. He's like, you know, she died. Her heart can't handle it. You just made it because you were a little stronger. And I'm like, mm, I think there might be more. Yep. Yeah, I think so, too. You think? Yeah. <laughs> I think there's Cortexafan in that syringe. Yes. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> I'm just laying it out there. I've been keeping my mouth shut. <laughs> Since the episode where he got that injection in that pouch, I said, nah, I don't know. (laughs) You're really going back. Throwback. Woo! (laughs) This last part I freaking loved, and it's deep, too. Oh, let me just finish really quick. Oh, I'm sorry. with, With Maddox, because he does happen to say, you know... As far as he knows, Brian's the only person that's ever been sought out by the debris. And that had me 
questioning again with what happens in the credits, which we'll talk about in a second, because that one is so interesting. But then we get to this part that had me scratching my head. (laughs) Because all of a sudden we're in the Arizona desert and you see a Native American man exit a truck and, you know, sitting down on a blanket. And we hear it all began when Blackwater Grandfather threw his energy to the four directions. To the east, he laid black metal in the earth. Black metal, you say? Yes. (laughs) To the south, blue metal. To the west, yellow metal. And to the north, white metal. In the next phase, Blackwater Grandfather threw black wind towards the earth. I'm like, okay, black metal. That's all we've seen with the debris, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So does that mean there's more ships that kind of blew up? that landed in different places Uh, what is this talking about who is this guy and how old is this like i don't want to say prophecy but like saying or story because things come back around well i didn't know if this was a based on what was said i don't think this guy was the grandfather he looked too young first off yes i think he was actually the guy telling the story doing the voiceover right absolutely um and i was curious as to whether or not i and i'm leaning towards it is whether this was current time the present uh that he was sitting down and probably the character is recalling the story right in his mind um or was it in the past i tend to lean towards it's the present he's recalling this story and i think the last sentence of in the next phase blackwater grandfather threw black wind towards the earth um could it be that if this guy doesn't look old enough to be a grandfather he was told to do it to throw the the black wind you know um is he a reincarnation of the grandfather you know you could throw all kinds of possibilities and i'm leaning towards that scene was in the present right i don't think i don't think there were other ships uh the colors were interesting because they're um all but one but some traditions include blue the colors, at least three of the four of the version I've learned, were the colors of the Native American uh, medicine wheel, which is white and black, uh, uh, yellow, and red is the other one I've learned. Yeah. Red is for uh, South. Uh, now, some traditions will have blue. There are different Native uh, traditions that use a medicine wheel and four colors associated with the wheel, and blue is included. But I had learned red, not blue, was one of the colors. But it was basically at least three of the four that I learned of the colors of the Native American medicine wheel. So I thought that was a different, that all these different metals were different colors that related to it. And it could have been just coincidence. It could have been just pieces of metal that were colored differently. But then you get into, well, if this Native American found all these pieces out in the Arizona desert, um, you know, what was, you know, what was the reasoning, you know, he put the pieces of metal in the earth. That's what the guy says, not on the earth. Right. He says he laid black metal in the earth and then to the South blue West and so on. So he knew to, so maybe he was hiding them. Maybe he thought maybe he and others of his tribe saw some properties of these metals that they thought was, yo, this ain't cool. And he was trying to bury it. Hmm. Or Blackwater Grandfather 
is actually an alien that came to visit Earth. Could be. And he was the one performing this by putting the metals in the ground. It still, shall we say, was able to transmit a signal back to their planet. Could be. Yeah, could be. And they just decided, okay, this many years ago, it looks like the people on this planet are probably pretty good. So let's, seeing that it's been a really long time, maybe we better double check and see if they're still really good. Mm-hmm. And, and the color black for the Native Americans can symbolize like power, strength, could be aggression, which we might typically here in the West might think of red. But black could be like that. It, 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 would, it could have some either powerful or negative connotations. A lot of times uh, they'll use that as a descriptive of something that's not good, like the, 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 the pipeline that they stopped. Right. They call that they call they nicknamed the pipeline the Black Snake. Yep. Uh, so, you know, black has a certain significance uh, to the Native American people. So it's interesting that it was Blackwater Grandfather. Uh, who was doing this. And then the end, throwing black wind towards the earth. Hmm. Now, in that next phase, him doing that, is that a good thing? He's throwing black wind, if black has some sort of specific meaning, uh, towards the earth, or is it something bad that's going to result from him? (laughs) And then I'll give you one last thing for your brains to chew on. Are the writers going to say the Native American people, the indigenous people of this continent, were the first aliens here on Earth? What? Yep. That's a possibility as well. There's my tin. Finally, I have a tinfoil hat theory. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know if they're going to go with that or not, but I thought it was interesting because they weren't even in Arizona the whole episode. Right. And this snake in the mailbox moment, as I call from a previous podcast... (laughs) Here's this here's this guy that's totally unrelated to the case they just were dealing with. Right. Had absolutely nothing to do with it in a total totally different location. He's on the other half of the country because they were in uh Maryland. Right. And, and then Langley's in Virginia. Yeah. So he's on the other side of the country and we get this like two minute scene and it's like, well, where did this come from? I thought it was a great scene, but it's like, where did this come from? So are the writers kind of laying that down for later that, you know, were they the first aliens or were they the first people to meet aliens because right. they were already here? Yeah. yeah, it could be that. So, Well, you know, the theory is out there like the Was it the Nazcal lines? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was. Yeah. The aliens that were met, you know, by and by the people of that region. And like they yeah. did all. All that to be like, hey, this is where we are. We know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So you never know. That's really weird. That's something now I'm going to end up going down another rabbit hole. Right. I know. I love this show. This is like <laughs> rabbit hole sitting. Now I'm like super excited. Let's talk for like just a sec about the credit voiceover. Yeah, the end credits. Yeah, this was yes. good. Oh my God. Because we yeah. hear we hear it, you know, like somebody searching. They're like, we found Beneventi. It's like, oh, okay, so something happened. So this had to be before. Now we know it's at least before this started because right. they say he has a wound on his chin, like a scar on his chin yeah. and a wound in his chest. And it's like, oh, is that what he's getting injections? What's it? And then with the whole, oh, you're the only person to breathe that out. Well, right. the Wait, other guy, but in, oh, his, 
Yeah, the in the transmission, because uh, there was a man and woman talking back and forth. The man goes, you know, about the wound in the chest and the uh, scar on his chin. Um, and we've seen Brian this whole series already with the scar on his chin, uh, where the guy then adds, you know, what have these men been put through? Right. You Doesn't know, he say something like he they don't see the other guys either yet? I don't know if he says it or not. Am I just projecting? I probably am. No, like, I think that was probably at the beginning. No, maybe. Right after they find Benevente. Benevente. And then so, all of a sudden it's, wow, what a, you know, not assuming that the other men in that group walked up and they kind of looked at him and said, what the hell happened to you? So if they see the scar, so two things. One is something we were discussing before we were recording going back to something that we said was last week or the week before, that if someone strung all of these end credit uh, voiceovers with people communicating back and forth together, might it tell a different story, a parallel story? And I'm guessing could be or could it be it tells the story pre-episode one of Debris. I think and, it's pre-episode one. And the other piece I would say, which I hadn't said, it just came to me, uh, I didn't say before we started recording, is if they notice the the wound on his chest and they notice the scar on his chin, is it between Afghanistan and him coming back to the States? Or was it, you know, when he first got, you know, early on in Afghanistan and then he let a beard grow to cover it? You know, exactly where does that fall? I'm kind of guessing it's before he grew the beard while he was in Afghanistan. And he may have grown the beard to cover it up. Although, why don't you just grow a goatee? It's on your chin. So, you know, what's the point of all that? Uh, but yeah, it was interesting that they're noticing this for the first time. And if he has a scar on his chin with that beard, you probably might see blood in the, the hair of the beard, but you might not know necessarily there's a scar there. Right. No, I think so, it's post-Afghanistan. That's what I'm leaning towards. Yeah. Definitely post-Afghanistan, probably one of his first few missions for orbital. Might have been he shaved it off while he was in the prison. Yep. When he went into the MP prison, he might have shaved it off there. Yeah, yeah it's like, oh, look at you. Here. Yeah, look <laughs> at you trying to blend in. Okay, well, that's fine. And um, yeah, oh, you're in prison now. Shave it off. Or he might have decided, you yeah. know. So, they've, you know. Yeah, I think might scare a few people off. <laughs> yeah. So you think it's post-Afghanistan? Yeah, absolutely. So so would it be – so it would be something here in the States, obviously. Right. yes. Pre-Fanola pre joining orbital, but yeah. in orbital because, yeah. because of this, I think this was really his first big ordeal with a piece mm -hmm. of debris. Correct. I go with that. And having Maddox say – you're the first person that it sought out. That's a key yes, piece right that there. That is yeah. huge, and that definitely leads me to this conclusion, is that, yeah. You know That's what it why I was all like, oh, my God, what does it mean? You know, what it made me, you know what it made me think back to was one of the earliest episodes of the first season of Fringe when uh, John Scott gets injured. Right. And Olivia runs to him. He, he, I think he smashes out of the car. She pulls him out. He has a big car accident. And one of the last thing he says to her is, ask yourself why you were picked for this team. Right. And, you know, even though nobody says, here's the reason why. 
as the whole series unfolded, you can see why. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you know, so it kind of made me think of that, that if he's the only one that the debris calling out to, hmm, why could that be? Right. Mm. And the fact that <laughs> We also have Fanola being touched by debris, so yeah, it could have very easily got her experiences and as well. So maybe we'll see it the other way. Before maybe the they'll have season. maybe they'll have her uh, having a surrogate exposing the fact she put uh, milk in her cup of Earl Grey. <laughs> <clears throat> Or is it lemon? I forget one you're not supposed to put in Earl Grey. But anyway, that's Captain Picard. He'll tell it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. I drink my tea the way I want. Yeah. Just what? don't use the just don't use the water the guys on Brian's team in Afghanistan to make the tea. Right. Yeah, I think I'll, <laughs> I'll pass on that. <laughs> well, any more tinfoil hat theory discussions? No. No, I think I'm good. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll let um, Fanola's dad have the rest of the tinfoil. Yes. <laughs> Interesting. He didn't change. No. This was kind of like the, this was kind of, this was the George that we saw at the beginning of the first of those two episodes. Yes, absolutely. He's not in a, well, not necessarily a dress shirt, but he's not in any kind of lab coat, which you probably wouldn't wear it outside the lab. Right. Uh, and he's saying Garcia lent him. So right. we've at least gone back to the reality that was at the beginning, the of, beginning of the first of the last two years. Yeah. yeah. You know how we feel about the episode and we want to know how you feel about it. So okay. shoot us an email at contact us at fangirlzone.com because we'd love to hear from you. And while you're at it, please rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice as good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us. Tell your friends about this show and we do hope you're enjoying our podcast. So for this episode of Falling Pieces, I'm Terry. Up my dose, up yours. <laughs> I'm Steve. Think the debris is experiencing us the same way we're experiencing it? And I'm Sean. Look at me! 